Again to the Bad Quaker Podcast, where liberty is our mission. Today is Wednesday, June 26th, 2013. This is podcast number 326, and my name is Ben Stone. And I am still at Rogers Campground in the afterglow of Porkfest 2013, Porkfest X. And uh, I need to clarify a couple things here, and then I'm going to go on and play... Um, the interviews, I did a series of short interviews, and uh, so I'm going to clarify a couple things, and then I'm going to uh, play the interviews that I did from Porkfest, so you'll get to hear that. Uh, in my in my talk on Friday of Porkfest, I uh, made a couple statements that uh, people are a little bit confused about, so I want to clarify those. The first one being the lesser important of the two. In the talk, I referenced uh, deaths at Hoover Dam during the construction of Hoover Dam. And, um, you know, it's a funny thing. The, the stories, uh, it, was re- it was a repeated thing over and over among the workers at uh, Hoover Dam when they were building it back when it was still called Boulder Dam. It was a regular thing. It's been quoted as uh, even the bosses telling new workers that if you slip and fall into this, they're not digging you out. You're just going to be buried. And um, when I was a young child, we we would go back and forth across country numerous times in our either moving or going, you know, to visit family or whatever. I was born in California. Almost all of my family is from Eastern Kentucky, so we would go back and forth numerous times uh, during my childhood. And always, uh, anytime we were going, well, for instance, like when we went the northern route and we went past uh, Yellowstone, there was always a series of family stories that would be associated with the first time that my family went through that area and stayed in Yellowstone. If we went the 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 mid the mid country route, then there would always be discussion about things like Route 66 and the first time my family went west on Route 66. And uh, the same was so anytime we got, we, we passed through the, the, uh, the particular way that went near or over Hoover Dam, there would always be discussion about, um, you know, family stories in relationship to Hoover Dam. So I would always, as a child, and I'm talking about the 1960s, I would always hear the stories repeated that there are bodies in Hoover Dam and which relative worked there and what this, how the stories were told and this kind of thing. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean it's true. Um, the, the government itself, the United States government, through their official spokespeople at the Hoover Dam, have systematically denied that there are bodies in Hoover Dam. And... Um, and so I got a little pushback from the thing on Friday that, hey, uh, you misspoke there. Everybody knows that that's a, an urban myth. Well, does everybody know that? Do you really know that? If you Google it, you're going to hit the uh, the Snopes article on it, and Snopes has a tendency to be pretty good, except if you read the Hoover Dam uh, uh, on Snopes, uh, 
It just says, no, it's not true. And um, basically it quotes the government and passes it off and says, uh, no, nah, it didn't happen. But unlike what is usual for Snopes, it doesn't give any citations of the original story, who told the original story, where it came from originally. It doesn't give any factual anything. There's no references. There's nothing. All they do is parrot the government story. And you see that quite often with Snopes when it comes to whether or not they take the, st the pro-state position or the anti-state position. And if you do any other kind of Google search on it, what you'll find, and this is really, this should be a red flag to anybody who's doing a search on something that's anti-government. If you do a search for something like bodies in Hoover Dam or something like that, what you're going to find is a wide variety of people debunking the idea that there are bodies in Hoover Dam. But if you'll notice something, they're all copy-paste of the same official statement from whoever it is, Department of Interior, or whoever, Parks Department, or whoever it is that runs um, the tourist end of Hoover Dam, you'll always see an exact word-for-word -word or close-to-word-for-word -word statement, even if it's somebody else's website, even if it's you know something that, that has nothing to do with the government and they're just talking about Hoover Dam, and the legend of the dead bodies in Hoover Dam, it very, very often, it's a word-for-word -word or close-to-word-for-word copy-paste from the government's official statement. Now, that should be a red flag. If the only story we're getting told, and that story is a word-for-word -word copy, cut, and paste, um, you might want to question it. You might want to just look at it. Now, as late as the 1970s, there were people still alive that had worked in the construction of Hoover Dam, and they still held to that story. And the only reason that it's officially rejected is because the government says, no, it didn't happen. And there's some talk about whether the concrete was deep enough to be buried and, and stuff like this. But all that aside, the eyewitness reports existed all the way up into the 70s that it happened. And yet... The government has consistently said it didn't happen. Now, there is something that's plausible in this. Um, there were several other dam projects at the same time that were going on, and it's quite plausible that, uh, and in Snopes references this, it's quite plausible that the actual burying of bodies took place in a different dam, and because these dams were all being built at the same in the same time frame, um, the stories could have got confused. That's plausible. But just because the government says, here's the official story, and just because 100,000 people copy and paste that onto their website, that doesn't make it truth. And we should always question the government when there's something that they are so, uh, uh, that they are emphasizing so much to word it in a specific way to make the government look good and, uh, you know, try to cover their tracks in something. Any kind, anytime you're seeing that, it doesn't matter the story. After all, why would you believe the government's story on Hoover Dam when we don't believe the government's story on why, uh, let's see, the War of 1812 was fought, the Mexican-American War was fought, the so-called Civil War was fought, the, uh, the uh, Spanish-American War was fought, World War I was fought, World War II was fought, Korean War was fought, Vietnam was fought. Every one of those... 
the United States government officially lied to justify their entrance into each and every one of those wars. The government uh, consistently, over and over, lies. Why would we suddenly reject the eyewitness reports about Hoover Dam and just blatantly accept whatever's handed to us by the government? So that's, that's my defense as to my position on the Hoover Dam deaths. Uh, from, by default, I disbelieve the government, and by default, I tend to believe the people who, uh, who had nothing to gain by saying, yeah, I was there, this is what happened. So that's my, uh, that's my statement about the Hoover Dam deaths. Now, the other one is more important, actually, because I have people saying, well, Ben, Ben said that we should blow up government buildings, and I have never said that. I have never, ever said that we should blow up government buildings. And I would challenge anybody to show me a recording, or even in print, where I have said that. Blowing up government buildings, blowing up anything, using explosives of any type, uh, really, uh, it, it's questionable with the zero aggression principle because explosives are very difficult to, to contain in a way that you can guarantee that you're not going to aggress on an innocent party. And in my, in my series on uh, uh, going beyond civil disobedience, I actually said that. I actually said in that series that explosives, um, it's, it's, whether it's an actual violations of the zero aggression principle or not, you have a great potential to, uh, to violate the zero aggression principle with explosives because it's almost impossible to completely control what damage is done with an explosive. And technically, well, a bullet is an explosive, but but so we can pick that apart to a certain extent. But I, I just want to clarify that I never, never go back and listen to the recording from Friday. It's widely available. It's available at badquaker.com. I did not at any point say that people should blow up or even in any way that in, in, uh, infer that people should blow up any government buildings of any kind. Now, I did say about, about the Washington Monument, about how nice it would be if it came tumbling down. But I said tumbling down. I did not say exploding anything. Now, as to whether or not the government can own property, again, you know, I probably shouldn't have brought that up in my talk on Friday because it really wasn't within the context of the, uh, of the topic that I was talking about. But if you're confused about that, go and listen to the series on Beyond Civil Disobedience. There are currently four in the series, and there's more on the, on the way. And I clarify that point um, very carefully in there. Uh, again, I probably shouldn't have brought it up in, in that kind of a setting because I didn't really have time to explain it and, and flesh it out and really work it over. But the government has no right to property. The government has no, um, no honest ability to own anything. The government is not a person. The government is, uh, is an association of people who use violence and theft in forced association and so they have no right of property. So anything that you can take away from the government, anything that you can come into possession that, uh, that the government is currently possessing, anything like that uh, is perfectly fine. You're just homesteading it. So in my series on um, Beyond Civil Disobedience, I use the example of a window. If, uh, if there's a window in a government building, it doesn't belong to anyone. 
So then you can homestead that that window by taking by essentially taking possession of that window. And if you want to break it, you can break it. There's nothing in the zero aggression principle wrong with that. The the question becomes is this practical? Will this accomplish a good? And the odds are it won't. The odds are if you take that take possession of that window and break it or do anything else with it. Um, you, you are within the zero aggression principle, but the odds are you're not doing anything positive for the movement, and it's quite possible that you're doing something negative. So, again, on points like this, I, I want to, you know, if, if it, I, I made a mistake by referencing it at all within that setting, because it's really something that needs to be fleshed out, and you need to have an understanding of when is it, uh, of course, uh, according to the zero aggression principle, there's nothing restricting you from possessing or damaging anything that you know is so-called public property or so-called uh, government property or whatever. That doesn't make it practical. That doesn't mean that it's a good idea. And even in that speech on Friday, I, I said that if you try to possess something that belongs, that the people perceive as belonging to the government, you might very well end up shot or caged or who knows what. And so it's not necessarily a matter of the zero aggression principle. It's a matter of, is this prudent? Is this wise? Is this something that should be done or is this something that should be avoided? So I hope I've clarified that. I never at any moment have ever advocating the blowing up of any government building. I've never said that. I've never advocated it, and I didn't on Friday either. However, uh, it, like I said, it's an understanding of property rights. And, oh, I did say in there that stealing a library book is not a violation of the zero aggression principle. That's right. That is absolutely right. Books in a library belong to nobody. They are unowned property. And I'll stick by that, you know, and if somebody wants to, if the government wants to get nasty and come search my house, I don't have any stolen books, but, uh, you know, um, that's, that's fairly well established. I think a lot of other people, like there was a book that was written that was actually called Steal This Book. So I don't think I'm getting too radical in that. Although uh, some library, some librarians can actually be pretty nasty Nazis. So, so again, it can be dangerous stealing a book from a library. But it would never be a violation of the zero aggression principle. Okay, it went on longer than I meant to. So uh, here is the, or here are, no, here is. Here is the collection of uh, interviews from Porkfest 2013, Porkfest X. Pretty good so far. Yeah, pretty good. We've yeah. uh, been here a little while. Already. Yeah, since like uh, Thursday morning. We got here Thursday. <laughs> yeah. So it was nice then. I mean, it was like empty. Right. <laughs> and the sky was perfect and the weather was perfect. It was nice. I'm surprised there's still so many empty spots. I guess Wednesday night and yeah, Thursday. Yeah, Thursday. Yeah. Ready to record? For, you want to talk for a minute? Yeah, we can just be like casual. I'll just. Absolutely. Do I need to be? I need to be like right here, though. I'm no, it'll it'll, Let's turn, down it'll the, pick turn off up. the music. One step ahead of you, buddy. Thank you. Okay, at Pork Fest, walking around through Agora Valley, you can find just about anything you want here. And Pork Fest 2013, number 10. Um, and we're here at Agora Seeds. Is that the official name? It's Agora Seed Exchange. Ex Ag Agora Seed Exchange. Oops. With uh, Eddie Free and crew, you guys introduce yourselves. 
I'm Jeremiah. Garrett Fox. Eddie Free. Ben Stone. Okay, anyway, and I'm interrupting them at dinner time because they have a nice bottle of wine, and Eddie is being uh, his chef self here, cooking up a bunch of stuff. Well, this is actually... This is actually for um, for some participants. So uh, I'm doing grass-fed steaks. I'm cooking them up for 25 bucks for folks. Um, and uh, so I already have my first order. Uh, I was given 100 bucks here cool. uh, to do four steaks, and then we're doing uh, their Black Angus uh, grass-fed. We've got uh, organic mushrooms, organic potatoes, organic garlic. Um, organic onions so we're gonna make a saute <laughs> we're gonna make a saute and then uh and then we're gonna serve it to these fine folks of, uh, friends cool of let's uh, uh introduce yourself uh uh garrett fox this is my fourth pork fest uh i don't know some of your listeners may have heard of a little podcast me and eddie used to do the disindoctrination podcast yeah and uh now i've gotten to the point where i just like coming up to pork fest and <laughs> relax this is enough work is, has he conned you into doing some of the, the help with this? <laughs> yeah, con's, a, no, I got con's a good term for it. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't con me in. He paid me. I actually did pay him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so but I'm just boiling potatoes. I'm t-shirt one. guy. You don't want me cooking steaks. Garrett and I, were selling, uh, <laughs> we're selling our shirts and we're selling our seeds, of course, mm-hmm. which are organic heirloom seeds, open pollinated. We've only got a few uh, different varieties here, but more folks can uh, can always go to our Facebook page, Agora Seed Exchange, and uh, purchase seeds from us through through the site. Cool. Well, Ben, you got your shirt, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I did. Cool. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. Um, you want to introduce yourself? I'm uh, Michael uh, Rhino Remover. If you're on Facebook. Oh yeah, yeah, I know. So, yeah. yeah. Or Friedman Rand. Two profiles, same yeah. guy, and uh, I run the capitalism page. Yeah. And I'm actually kind of honored to be on your show now. <laughs> a little bad quicker action. I didn't know you were recording, so I was making fun of him. And... But if you know, this, this is like a, it's like a fun little hipster setup. I mean, this is very fancy. If you guys could see right now, you would see like a spread with nice knives and everything like that. A lot of food going on. The classic camp uh, blue, um, what is that called? The uh, coating. Metalware? Yeah. Cookware? <laughs> It's it's what you would see at a classic 1950s campground. Mm-hmm. Very neat. Oh yeah. That's my bed sheet. <laughs> What's that funny stain? It's clean. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are awful. Oh wow. There's many stains. Well, thanks for talking to me, guys. I'll uh, I'll let you get back to your work. You're very welcome. Thanks, thanks Mr. Thank Quaga. <laughs>
of you here at Pork Fest 10, here on Declare, you're independent of me or Miss Hancock, and you don't need me to do it. You can do it all by yourself. This is how it goes. Are you ready? Here we go. I declare my independence. Say it was no government form. You just do it yourself. You don't need to do it with you. can do it with me if you want. You can go to Freedom to the Nest, FreedomsToTheNest.com, and you can listen to all the back issues, all the archives, all the great guests we've had here on Pork Fest all day, every day. You want to know what's going on to start Right off with Crosby, the owner of Rogers Camp. That was like the third, fourth interview we done with him. Yeah, how's the man Scrooge in the last year, man? Oh, I got new stories for you. Got new stories. He's going to take me golfing the, uh, Saturday morning and do the quick nine holes and kind of you know get all the good good on the back end up. Because they are bad. Freedom good. Bad, 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 bad. You know, how many bads can we add? I mean, infinite. Infinite, they're bad. Now we need to talk to the bad guy, Mr. Ben Stone, the bad Quaker. Bad Quaker Podcast, badquaker.com. Uh, We're also going to get to Bill Dominico because Bill is, uh, uh, he's a laser guy here, and he printed the 3D gun out of yellow and black. Make a nice little anarchist color here. Got the 3D printed gun. I mean, this we're going to put the we'll put the podcast up there. I mean, the Instagrams and so on. I'll get you. We had some other pictures of this and your place over there. This thing, it's heavy. You know, I didn't think it'd be this heavy, and it's because it's got a square inch of steel in it so that they can track it so they so uh, so you know we're, we're semi-legal now you know got a square inch of steel if it wasn't for that it'd be the square inch of nothing That's and right. this thing is i mean damn so we're going to talk about this a lot of the 3d printing stuff that you're doing and your laser shows that you do and advertising that we have up on the roof of the uh, pavilion and such but first real quick you know james babb is a good friend and a supporter of ben stone the bad quaker now bad quaker podcast i have heard about badquaker.com okay i have heard of you tell me what have i heard uh probably not good <laughs> maybe good <laughs> i think good if james said you know it's good Okay, I mean, not good for some people, good for me. I don't care about, you know, the man. So tell me, what, what is your show about? What are you doing? The, the primary focus is understanding property, property rights, and the zero aggression principle. <clears throat> and then uh, in exploring the zero aggression principle, there's, you know, there seems to be a shift that's taken place in the last six months in everything liberty-oriented. And um, it dawned on me that there's going to become a time and it's not, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but there's going to become a time. Yesterday. When we have to go beyond education, beyond civil disobedience, and take this to Last week. a different level. And it's not necessarily, what I'm talking about is not necessarily for everybody, but there are certain people who will, whether we, <coughs> whether we want them to or not, they will take this to a different level. So and, you're a bad Quaker. And when that happens, <laughs> I want to encourage them to remain within the zero aggression principle but there's a lot you can do, or, or non-aggression principle, there's a lot you can do that's pretty fantastic to, the way I've been saying it is, uh, throw Legos out on the carpet and let the government wake up in the middle of the night when it goes to the bathroom. Oh, you obviously have children. <laughs> this is, Legos are a freaking nightmare when you start having your, you know, I'm waiting for my, my kids, my little grandkids. They start getting the little toys. I think it's already started. I'm like, nan, 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 Now you know why. It's perfectly dark, and I'm just, you know, you think there's nothing out there. I got grandkids, you tiptoe through, tip through the house, you shuffle your feet, and you want the government doing that. Hey, wait, wait, wait. There's some freedom guys out here. You know, they're going to get, ow, damn it. You know, freaking, that was a new kind of Sharpie Lego. Okay, I, I understand completely. I have known, I tell you, one of the biggest supporters of my wife Donna and I that helped our, they had a program, it's called the Arizona School Choice Trust, 
that subsidized private education, you know, and it was, you know, for liberty-oriented, you know, poor people that met certain criteria, which we were poor, you know, but our kids got a private education based solely on them and some other programs and private stuff that we do is all private. And, you know, of course, our contribution and everything, and able to do that, and they did it because it was part of their Quaker upbringing. They were senior citizens, quite very big on peace. Even though they're kind of Republican, they knew it had a lot to do with them because they thought they kind of started going away from that, becoming more anarchist, you know, after they went through that libertarian phase for a couple of weeks. You know, they become anarchists. They are large contributors to, the, it's what started the radio show in 03. It was lots of money. They gave you a sponsor just so we could get somebody on there to be anti-war. There was no one on radio. I was morning drive in Phoenix, Arizona, at a show, anti-war. Oh, my God, what happened? How did that happen? Well, it was a Quaker. You know, they were the peace, and that was their part of their uh, activism was supporting us doing that. So I have a complete understanding of this. So when you say, you're a bad Quaker, you know, why are you bad? Uh, well, that's kind of a different topic. I, I tend to... Pretty different to... topic. It's the name of the damn show. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I tend not to uh, attend meetings. I tend not to, you know, join any kind of gatherings or anything like that. I'm very pro self-defense, even to the point of uh, property defense. And a lot of Quakers don't believe. Uh, some Quakers don't believe in self-defense. Some do. Some don't believe in property defense. I believe in very aggressively uh, defending myself, my property, and pretty much anybody who wants my help in defense. Bad Quaker. <laughs> Now, I remember the Quakers, added, there was an old Star Trek where they went to a planet and, and the Federation is trying to protect them from the Klingons that are doing all this stuff and the Klingons just want to take them over and it's not part of the Federation plant, screw you, and people are just passive and they go lay waste to a bunch of them and they go, you know, we don't care. We exist on another plane anyway, you know, it's like, you know, blah, 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 this is flesh and blood, we did this for your convenience, we're corporal beans and biting your petty stuff doesn't mean anything to us. So, you know, I can understand that kind of attitude. They want to go, look, man, we're not of this world. We're just here, you know, chilling and being a good example. So I get that. But some people are like, you know, I'm kind of of this. It hurts. I mean, I, I worked hard. That's mine. You know, I, I'm like, I want to defend. So that makes you bad, Quaker. But it's good to have that, you know, that transition, that, that connection, that, you know, to this. So what, what's the big thing? Why do you call it bad Quaker? I mean, is it that you're trying to... Uh, uh, share some of that culture with the freedom community? There's some benefits there? Uh, to a certain extent. I, I've talked a lot of times about uh, there, are, there are testimonies. The Quakers have testimonies. And so I, I tend to talk about, whenever possible, the testimony of, of uh, truth. And uh, by doing so, uh, to a Quaker, to present a testimony means to make that a part of your life. Not necessarily the words that you speak, but make sure that uh, your life is dedicated to that. So, uh, so I reject, I, or at least I try as much as humanly possible to reject anything in my life that's not true. And that has driven me to the position of being an anarchist because I can't, I can't be faithful to the truth and still accept that a, a small group of people can dominate other group of people just based on the fact that they have shiny badges or they call themselves the government. Shiny badges! You know, they got the, the cop block uh, uh, fund, you know, they got that. I use, I use that on the show a lot. I'm going, it's just, they just show up with a shiny badge. Got a shiny badge. I will use shiny badge. Piece of paper, embossed uh, parchment. Somebody, you know, a CLC, shiny badge. Cards on my shoulder, uniform, hat, shiny badge. But you know what always backs up that whole thing? It's always a gun! Gun, 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 which we're going to get the bill. 
Dominico here, he's, I just print my gun. No, 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 no. I do it whatever colors I want. Oh, yeah, and a safe magazine, AR-15, 30-round, you know, safe magazine. He has the file. Print that for me. You know, we do that. You, man, we worked out a deal, didn't we? We did. You know, we got, got a deal. Yeah, got a deal, got a deal, got a deal. I got it. I'm sure I'm going to be breaking something, you know, uh, the spirit, most likely bad guys. Bad guys, all bad. The Bad Quaker. Badquaker.com. Is that right? Bad Quaker podcast? That is correct. All right, well, check them out. Check them out. Check them out. You know, Donna, would you please go ahead and look up Ben Stone? We'll schedule him over the next couple of weeks. We'll have him come on. We'll spend some more time with him. But I know that would be of interest to a lot of people. Yep. And, oh, go check all the Instagram photos. Hashtag Porkfest10. Oh, Porkfest X. Okay, so I'm at the uh, VIP tent at Porkfest 2013, and I just so happened to bump into Doug French. Doug, welcome back to the Bad Quaker Show. Oh, well, thank you. You never know when you'll run into a bad Quaker. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, is this your first Porkfest? It is, actually. It's uh, my first time up here, and uh, I have to say I've been here two or three days. It's starting to grow on me. It, it's it's addictive. It really is. Uh, the the sky is beautiful. The landscape is wonderful. Uh, very friendly people. It is a, it is a wonderful place. I'd recommend it to everyone. It was raining a little bit when I hit town, and uh, believe me, you're out here in the middle of nowhere. And leave your credit cards at home because you either need uh, silver, Bitcoin, or cash to uh, keep yourself fed. But uh, as you say, there's a lot of friendly people and. Uh, for those who, who want to go out in the weeds and uh, discuss uh, uh, or hear people discuss uh, monetary matters and economics and philosophy, there's that. If you want to learn how to, uh, uh, you know, make uh, your own black powder gun, there's that. Uh, if you're into uh, doing the hula hoop, there's that. And uh, uh, shall we say there's other activities uh, out in, amongst the tents that I have uh I don't have direct knowledge of, but can only guess. But, uh, Some questionable things, maybe. Sure, but, but. sure. But uh, a great place uh, for liberty lovers to, to gather, and it's really uh, very inspiring. A definite lack of sirens here, I noticed. That's right. Um, I even heard a story of uh, someone hit a bear out on the road, and someone was quick enough to... Uh, uh, get it on a nearby grill, and uh, <laughs> they were telling me how the, the bear tasted. So uh, you don't get that at every conference. No, no, no. not at all. Now, um, uh, I know a couple of shows, uh, or not shows, a couple of the uh, events that you've attended. I, I saw you at uh, uh, Yuri Multif's uh, presentation. That was a really good presentation, and it's great to see Yuri out here. Uh, what other uh, presentations have you seen? Or? Well, I've seen Michael uh, Humer, I believe his name, from uh, Colorado, is a philosopher and mm-hmm. uh, and has written uh, what sounds to be a wonderful book. Uh, 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 I've uh, listened to the Bob Murphy, uh, David Friedman, uh, Austrians versus uh, Chicago School debate, and uh, there are a couple of very nice guys, and uh, Bob's certainly a friend of mine, so I, I tend to tend to sympathize with his point of view probably more than David, but uh, I, I wouldn't want to debate David about anything. Um, <laughs> true, but, very uh, true. There's there's really been some great presentations here um, encompassing a lot of uh, a lot of different things. I spoke about the Las Vegas real estate crash a few days ago, and tomorrow I'm talking about uh, how we always end up with sociopaths being elected uh, mm-hmm. in elections uh, and uh, which makes me question democracy, but uh, 
you know, we'll see how that goes. I'm up against the uh, Buzz's uh, uh, gay dance party, so yeah, I'm not yeah. sure anybody will attend my talk. Hefty competition. That there. is as uh, that is big a competition as you can get here at uh, at Pork Fest. Well, hopefully someday we can get. Um Hans Hermann Hoppe to come out here, and he can explain to us what the real problem with democracy is. Um, I'm going to cite uh, Hans tomorrow. However, I don't. I'm not sure I would recommend to Hans uh, uh, coming <laughs> here. Uh, he has a lot of fans. I attended the uh, High Time Preference Hoppe Hour uh, last night. Some gentlemen from New York. Uh, they meet in New York uh, every Tuesday, and they were all here. For Pork Fest, so they had it last night, and, and we had a great chat. Um, but uh, uh, Hans uh, is not the camping type. Oh, really? So uh, you know, we'll uh, they they may have to satellite him in or something like that. Yeah, he's a very classy individual. Yes. Well, uh, Doug, I really appreciate you taking the time. I know we're actually right in the middle of a function here, so I appreciate yeah. you taking the time and talking with me. Well, thanks, man. And it's thanks, been great fun. Thanks a lot for coming out to Porkfest. We well, really I can't appreciate wait to be you on your me. show again, and uh, hopefully we can do that soon. Okay, and it's Saturday at Porkfest, and with me is Amanda Billyrock. Amanda, welcome to Bad Quaker Podcast. Thanks, Bad Quaker. Thanks for having me on. So what do you think about Porkfest? Uh, this is my first time here, also my first time in New Hampshire, and it's so great, you know, because we have private security and it shows how the market can keep us safe. And, you know, we don't have the Department of Health here, you know, like looking at all of our food vendors to make sure they're complying with regulations. And yet none of us has gotten sick. And so it's just a great example of how the voluntary society works. And I might mention we're getting ready to have, um, what is that, like free range, ultra healthy uh, pork roast in a little while here? Absolutely. You know, people here are so into health. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they understand, and you hear it all the time, that you can't fight the state and fight for freedom if you're sick. Yeah, very true. Uh, there is a lot of people really concerned about health um, that are among us, and there's really good, really good healthy food that's available here. And there's also, like, massive bacon, wrapped bacon, cooked in bacon, and bacon right. fat. So, so it's everything in the spectrum, but, but it is. Um, so now, um, you gave a talk on... Um, uh, on Mormon, uh, sort of uh, Mormon perspective. You know, that was my original subject, mm-hmm. um, and then I actually changed about a month back. It may not have been published on the website, but I actually, um, my title was Cab Drivers Say the Darndest Things, Lessons in the Market. That's right, yeah. Um, because, yeah, the, the first three months of this year, um, when I wasn't making videos, I was actually traveling. I was continent hopping and just kind of getting a sense of what is available to us outside the States. Mm-hmm. And so um, I focused on what I learned from taking buses and cabs and private cars and all sorts of other things. So I basically told stories. That's cool. I've been saying uh, here lately, I've been trying to emphasize that, you know, oftentimes we, we think of having all the intellectuals, the professors and stuff mm-hmm. that, that really think through the hard thinking and they kind of pave the way for us on how to figure out how all this stuff is going to work and everything. But very often we forget that a lot of the ideas that we talk about are like second nature to, to people who work for a living, who do things like drive cabs and drive buses and, and street vendors and stuff like that. I mean, they're putting it, uh, they're putting legs on what we talk about. 
absolutely. You know, and as Jeffrey Tucker likes to say, you know, we live in anarchy most of the time. Yeah. Like everything we do within the walls of our home is total anarchy. The way we interact with coworkers and our bosses or our own employees, it's all total anarchy and it's not chaos. Right, exactly. Well, Amanda, thanks very much for uh, taking some time and talking to me. We're we're actually standing outside of the VIP tent where there's free drinks for everybody who is either a sponsor of Porkfest or uh, or you know an invited guest, a speaker, or whatever like that. So we're gonna we have a choice. We're standing between the free drink tent and the free pork tent, so we can't lose. We can't. Thank you, Ben. Thanks a lot. Folks, there's only a finite supply of gold and silver in the world. However, politicians can print paper on a whim forever and ever. Hedge yourself against inflation and a volatile stock market by purchasing gold and silver bullion from Amagai Metals. As inflation gets worse, it will become more difficult to buy gold and silver. So secure your financial freedom today by visiting amagimetals.com. That's A-M-A-G-I-M-E-T-A-L-S.com. Or you can give them a call at 1-800-882-8496. That's 1-800-882-8496, where financial freedom is yours. And be sure and tell them badquaker.com sent you. And it's Saturday at Porkfest, and I'm here with Tabor Baranti. And you might know Tabor from her recent production of Murray Rothbard's Murray Rothbard's great classic, uh, his one and only play. Uh, Mozart was a red. Uh, thanks for talking to me, and welcome to BadQuaker.com. Glad to be here. So is this your first pork fest? This is my first pork fest. I uh, just moved up to Massachusetts earlier this year, so I was like, I got to go this year. Well, what did you think so far? So far, it's great. I've only been here for, uh, this is my second day. Mm -hmm. So next year, I've got to find a way to be here for the whole week. Now, um, for people that don't know, and I can't imagine one one of my listeners not knowing what Mozart was a red was or is, um... Uh, give the folks an idea of uh, what what you did with the production. So, Mozart was a red. It's a one-act play by Murray Rothbard, and it's sort of poking fun at the objectivist circle and how they uh, talked about all their objectivist ideas and how they were very close to new ideas. And so, Hopkins, I was part of the theater group down there, and the Johns Hopkins Barnstormers put on a, an event every year called Freshman One Acts. So where the upperclassmen recruit freshmen to do one-act plays, and then they put it on. And so my senior year, I petitioned to put on Mozart Was a Red. And I think the only reason why they took me up on the offer was because there were no uh, no uh, money rights to it, so I could put it on no matter what. And so I, I got five freshmen to act in Mozart Was a Red. This was back in October 2010. And I filmed it and put it up on YouTube, and I've gotten some great responses from people. I had a Tom DiLorenzo, you can hear him laughing in the background in the video, because he, he came down to, to watch. Now, uh, if people want to go and find it on YouTube, what should they look for? If you just search for Mozart Was a Red, you'll get the two videos. You'll get the earlier one with Jeffrey Tucker. Uh-huh. And then if you look down, the next one is, is mine. It'll, it'll uh, show up as like the Johns Hopkins production. Well, I certainly hope that you uh, pursue that more, and I appreciate the work that you did with it. And, uh, you know... I can post it on the Bad Quaker Facebook page if there is one. Oh, we could do that, yeah. yeah. I can post it on there. Yeah, it's uh, just uh, on Facebook, it's badquaker.com. Okay. You know, the word's spelled out. Yeah. 
and uh, yeah, we can do that, and then we'll uh, we'll try to draw some attention back to it too. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show. Thanks. Enjoy Pork Fest. Will. Okay, Saturday at Pork Fest with me is Nick. Nick, uh, how many times have you been to Pork Fest? This is my second Pork Fest. Uh, I plan to keep coming every year. If I had heard about it sooner, I, I would have come sooner. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you were also down at the Pennsylvania Libertarian Party convention. I was there. Uh, how do you compare the feeling sort of in the air between the convention and Porkfest? Uh, Porkfest is actual real freedom, whereas at the Libertarian convention there was uh, almost an air of, I don't want to say snobbishness or stuffiness, but... Uh, More official those, officialness. Those, yeah, it wasn't exactly an example of free living, I, I don't think. People seemed pretty restricted, and, uh, you know, even though they weren't hurting anybody, they still had a lot of inhibitions, and at Porkfest, it's a little bit different. I would say it's closer uh, to, to real true liberty. It is true liberty. Uh, how many days have you been here? I've been here all week. Oh, since, since Monday? Monday? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, what do you think was the most fun or most exciting thing that was uh, going on that you that you saw or were involved in? That is a good question. Uh, the gun making class was pretty awesome. Uh, the big gay dance party is probably the number one event. That's at Pork I Fest think that's the big every thing. year, yeah. um, which is great because it it a lot of people have a preconceived notion about libertarians that it's a lot of uh, heterosexual old white men talking about economics, and while that is largely true. Those are just the people that were doing it first. And people like Buzz who have come in and set these new events up that are... It, it's a better ambassador service, I would think, than a stuffy white guy yeah. in a suit talking about economics and and why you should uh, liberate the market to not support Keynesian economics. <laughs> so you plan on coming back, you said? Yes. yes Definitely. Every year. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's, it's kind of addictive. You know, is this your first pork fest? Uh, second year. Oh, okay. Yeah, and it's the same way. It's like I, I knew about it before, but there was just no practical way to do it. But now it's like I will move heaven and earth. To, you know, if there's life in me, I'm coming back. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> I hear that. Uh, we we weren't even sure how we were going to make it up here, but you just. I but to be honest, I posted on Facebook because we had a, a ride discrepancy mm-hmm. like almost two days before pork fest, and I got three responses from total strangers wow. offering to drive me up. And, and it's kind of like that with camping spaces, too. Yeah. They, they fill up pretty quickly, and yet, mm-hmm. um, you know, people figure out a, a way to make it work. I, uh, my roommate came in from New Jersey, and he came in later in the week, and I, I said, don't even worry about it. Like, and while I was on the phone with him trying to set up a campsite for him, a guy came up to me and said, oh, he can stay at our site. Yeah, yeah. It's beautiful. It is, yeah. <laughs> and uh, if you need anything, basically, uh, like the free market provides for it. Um, you know, if I needed a pack of cigarettes or something, there's mm-hmm. always somebody right there. Yeah. You just have to look around. And uh, it, it's a pretty cool thing to see free market in action. Well, Nick, thanks for coming on the show with me. Mm-hmm. And I'll talk to you later. Absolutely. Okay, and when you're at Pork Fest, you can find almost anybody that's in the Liberty Movement, that's in the, that's in the activity networks, that's in the... Um, activist networks you can find almost anybody who's really anybody and so I, I just walked up here and I'm looking around me and I can pick almost anybody to talk to so strange person on the street what's your role in the liberty movement well, what I do is I work on food freedom and food rights issues. My name is Liz Reitzig, and one of one of the focuses is helping and supporting farmers who are facing incarceration for 
freely exchanging what they produce on their farms. We play, my organization, the Farm Food Freedom Coalition, we play a, a role as a support capacity for those farmers and whatever needs they might have during their court proceedings or when they get raided on their farms or just to keep their farms going so that they can keep producing while the state is aggressing against them. Now, one of the recent things you were involved in was the uh, the Amish farmer in, was it Wisconsin? Yes. That uh, was bothered for uh, milk products, which, was it cheese and raw milk or just raw milk? Well, it was mostly because of the raw milk, but he did also produce and distribute cheeses. And he did that uh, not only without pasteurization, not only without permission, but even after, I think part of the issue with him was that even after they had told him to stop, he continued, is that right? That's correct, and the, the farmer was Vernon Hirschberger. Yeah. And yeah. He, he was acquitted on three of the charges, out of four, three out of the four charges, but what was even more momentous than that is that the jury actually came back to the sentencing hearing to apologize to him for finding him guilty on the fourth charge. Wow. And they had written letters in between the end of the trial and the sentencing hearing, they had written letters to the judge requesting leniency on his sentencing because they all they had felt so guilty about finding him um, not acquitting him on that fourth charge yeah but in a sense he actually was guilty of that fourth charge because the fourth charge was basically to stop well the, the fourth charge that he was found guilty on was that he violated the holding order so at one point the state came onto his farm mm-hmm. raided his farm shut his um, coolers taped them shut and said that if he could not move any of that product well that product belonged to his family to feed his family and it belonged to people who were members of the farm mm-hmm. and he cut the tape and he distributed that food as he should have because he said as as a as a religious man in his faith he could not in good conscience allow that food to go to waste while there were families and children who needed that food and so, so he did violate that hold order, and he said that on the stand and in court. However, the jury found him not guilty of the three charges that were the reason that he had that hold order, order in to begin with. Right. And the, the prosecution had filed motion after motion, and, and they had redacted so much of the evidence that the jury was not informed mm. when they made that decision. And they were very upset about that. They expressed that to the judge and they requested leniency for Vernon, which he got. And ultimately, we can't find anything that he did that's actually, a, that a sane person could consider wrong. That's correct, yes. And he was, he was just engaging in totally normal, natural, peaceful human behavior. He's a farmer producing food feeding his community. Now, Liz, uh, Liz this, you said this is your first time to Pork Fest? This is my first Pork Fest, yes. So what do you think of Pork Fest so far? It's quite lovely. It's amazing to see the people here and to feel the energy and engage and collaborate with people who are all committed to the same mission. Mm-hmm. It's really well, wonderful. Well, thanks for talking to me today, and I hope you enjoy the rest of Pork Fest. Thank you, Ben. You too. Liberty Tool Raffle, guys. If you don't have a Liberty Tool Raffle, you take it, you can get them right here. Tell me about Liberty Tool Raffle. Liberty Tool Raffle, basically, first place prize wins you both of these Liberty Tools right here. Second place wins you this vest. Third place wins you 10 ounces of Sons of Liberty Pure Silver Quarter. Tickets are only 10 bucks. You buy 10, you get one free. And let's do it tonight at midnight here at Pork Fest, the awesomest week-long festival that you could be at. And you're here, so congratulations. Now, the people who are listening to this probably won't hear it till after Pork Fest is over. So are you planning on coming back next year? Yes. Great. Thanks a lot. Absolutely. It's been a great time, and it's going to be a lot of fun throughout the night tonight. Pete Ayer, um, from, man, name it, Cop Block, uh, uh, Marv was up there just a second ago. 
Um, and we're here at Porkfest, Porkfest X, Porkfest 10. Um, tell me what you think. What's going on? How, how much fun have you had? I love it. Porkfest is always the best week of uh, the year for me. I've, this is my seventh Porkfest, actually. So it's been it's always great. It's like a family reunion. I'll see a lot of you know friends that I might have the fortunate you know good fortune to see from time to time, but I might not see for a year. You know, if, if they only make it out here to Porkfest, but I'm really excited. You know, again, a lot of good people that I've met, a lot of positive vibes. You know, um, people that are making the move out this way, so it, it's pretty empowering. But uh, myself, this week, I've just been busy doing some, a few little speeches and panels and uh, an exercise session, and uh, have some cop block stuff here. And my my buddy and I are doing a Liberty Tool raffle, so it's stayed quite busy. And uh, you know. Going to walk away with here from here with a, a few pages of good notes and links and things to check out that people have uh, shared with me. So it's all about you know this connections and collaborating, and it's it's a great great to be part of. Now this raffle, I'm looking at the tools in this toolbox here, and they're uh, they're pretty unique tools. One of them looks like a black powder tool to me. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I don't know if that's the case, but uh, yeah, they are. Uh, we have two Liberty Tools. Uh, the name Liberty Tool Raffle came from Danny Riley, who's one of the Edna Lane Brown supporters, currently caged for over three decades, and he recently referred to firearms as Liberty Tools in a letter. So, hence the Liberty Tool Raffle. Uh, the idea is to help uh, get these into someone's hands who will appreciate them, and uh, for myself and Silver Dave to have a little more liquidity to put into our own projects. Absolutely. Pete Air, thank you very much for talking to me today. Right on, and keep doing what you're doing, man. You're one of my heroes. You as well, dude. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Father. Yeah, there you go. Zoom. I'm your father. <laughs> so, the absolute pinnacle of my interviews so far has uh, we have arrived there with the unbelievable Larkin Rose. Larkin. Welcome bad welcome back to badquaker.com or bad <laughs> Larkin a little flustered there are we <laughs> hero worship Larkin welcome back to the Bad Quaker podcast it's great to see you here at Pork Fest 2013 It's great to be here again fun as always And uh, if you missed it let's see did I I don't think did we get any recordings of the stuff in Pennsylvania Uh I don't know of any i think it was all secretive nobody will ever know what happened there <laughs> well if it exists on the internet you should search for uh lppa 2013 convention and if it exists larkin did a really great speech um the saturday morning of the uh, libertarian party convention it was very inspiring to me anyway larkin um you gave what two two talks here yep one on Monday and then uh, one yesterday morning. And it was about totally submitting to the government and being a good boy, right? Certainly. I've totally changed my ways and changed my beliefs, and now I think everyone should do as they're told and everything will be okay. And you won't need to be punished. <laughs> right, right. If you just do as you're told, they won't have to imprison you. So, you know. I was told, uh, I missed your presentation yesterday. And I was told that you uh, spoke live with a, a couple of people that some people confuse as being tyrants, but uh... yeah, I did. A, I did an interview with George Bush and Barack Obama um, by satellite. That was fun, and uh, <laughs> crowd seemed to like it. I and they were uh, surprisingly honest about their motivations and their plans and their agenda and manipulations and propaganda methods, and uh, because. 
And they, they said it's because they figured people would think I had faked it anyway. <laughs> so they were just very blunt about what they believe and how they do things. So that was nice of them. Uh, now, you've been to Porkfest before, I assume. Uh, yeah, I believe this is my seventh. I wasn't at the first one, but a whole lot since then. <laughs> yeah. I got to uh, watch you last year. That was pretty good. Um, so how would you describe Porkfest to somebody if, if they had never heard of it? Um, sort of depends whether the somebody has any idea what freedom means <laughs> yet. Uh, it's basically a gathering of a whole bunch of different people of different backgrounds and income levels and education levels and religions and cultures and all sorts of things. Um, the one thing they have in common is they don't particularly want to butt into other people's lives. Um, and while that sounds like something that should be normal, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> because most people think if you butt into people's lives by voting and electoral politics, then it's perfectly fine. Um, and there is a range of people here. There are some people who still play the political game and, and try to achieve freedom that way. And then there's us extremists who think that's kind of pointless and, and actually counterproductive. Um, but at least they're all in the range of, generally speaking, they'll leave you alone if you leave them alone. And that's unfortunately a rarity um, in the United States and in the world. So it's really fun to be around, uh, I think this time it's like 1,500 people who don't want to rob me for things I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's definitely a minority in the country, but uh, here at Porkfest, it's almost everybody. Well, Larkin, I appreciate the time, and uh, appreciate you stopping and talking to me. And what's the best way um, to... Uh, well, no, let's put it this way. When I gave my last talk yesterday, I said, the very first thing I said out of the gate was, the stuff I'm going to try to explain to you right now will be completely foreign to you unless you get this book. It's called The Most Dangerous Superstition by Larkin Rose. So how can a person get a hold of this book? Uh, that's available on my website, larkinrose.com. It's also available on amazon.com, who like to order from websites they've heard of before. Um, but you can get it either way. And how can they find your YouTube videos? Uh, my YouTube channel is just youtube.com slash larkinrose, and there's lots and lots of fun little things there that mess with people's heads, and whether they're statists or already voluntarists or anything in between, there's fun stuff for everyone. And we should encourage uh, members of law enforcement to come over and they'll have a hoot with your videos. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> they may Actually, I do go out of my way to encourage people in the government to go there, because I think... I think they're actually victims of the lie just as much as everybody else is. Absolutely. Um, sometimes more so. So, yeah. yeah, if you're a cop, go over there. There's subversive material. So go watch it all. Larkin, thanks a ton for coming back on the show with me. And one of these days we're going to have to do a whole show, a whole hour, uh, just yapping and chatting and talking about uh, all this nonsense we believe. I imagine we could freestyle for 20 hours in a row if we felt like it. I believe that. <laughs> all right. Thanks so much. Thanks a lot, Larkin. And we're here on Sunday of Porkfest 10, Porkfest 2013, and we're starting to break things down. The campground is starting to wake up in the morning, and things are starting to... Everything's wet from rain, 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 and more rain. Not as bad as last year, though, but anyway, I'm here with Kurt behind the scenes, breaking stuff down, and Kurt is one of the people that uh, is almost invisible in any kind of event like this, and yet... Without people like Kurt, nothing like this could ever take place on any level. Kurt, thanks a lot for interrupting your work that you're doing this morning and talking to me. Oh, it's my pleasure, for sure. 
Um, so uh, what exactly have you been doing at Porkfest? I mean, I know because I've been watching you, but what, right. what well, have you been doing? For this year, what I've done is I've, I've set up all the PA that uh, Porkfest now owns, and I brought in my own lights, and we hung them in the rafters to give the stage, uh, you know, light. And then, uh, and this is kind of an ongoing thing. It's not like you you did work the first day and then you just kick back and relax and drink beer for a week and then and then break it all down, right? Well, luckily, the the past two years I've been taking a, a step to back role where I can work very hard for the first thirty six hours and then have a vacation with my wife and get her to know you know exactly why it is these are the people that we should be spending the rest of our lives with. Mm-hmm. Um, and then again, the last day I again I work, I work, I work, and then I drive another you know fifteen hours to Michigan, and and uh, that's just what I do because I love Porkfest. It's just that important to me. And that's really how again not just this event, but every single event that a person attends, if it's a rock concert or if it's uh, you know some kind of an uh, electoral function where you're where you've got a campaign going on or whatever. There's just levels and levels of people that are never seen Absolutely. and never heard of. Absolutely. It's like, and well, it's like a building. You know, you, who thinks of the people who poured the concrete as they're walking through a building? Right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, or even the people who, keep the, who come in at midnight you know, and vacuum and clean things up and make it livable for the next day. Indeed. Indeed. Well, what do you think is, uh, oh, well, I should ask you this. How many, uh, how many pork fests have you been this to? This is number six for me. Good. Yeah, and two, two Liberty Forums, so I'm very, very happy. I, I tell people that I live in New Hampshire, but I spend 50 weeks a year in Michigan. <laughs> and you, uh, do you plan on eventually moving here? Well, we just purchased a new house in Michigan, so now it's the 15-year retirement plan. But uh-huh. that doesn't mean I'm going to be invisible. I support several causes. I love free aid. Pete Ayer, I think, is one mm-hmm. of the best communicators out there. Yeah. And not, not to, not to uh, you know, pump up your competition, but Brett <laughs> Bernard is somebody who I think is an excellent communicator as well. Good. Um, so I, I try to support the people who I feel can advance, right. you know, advance this in the minds of people. And I, I think communication is going to be the key. We have the ultimate communication tool set up that gives us instantaneous communication worldwide within the Internet. So I think that that right there is, is going to be the linchpin, is how, how effectively you can communicate the, uh, the, the ideas of liberty. Absolutely. Well, I uh, appreciate you taking time out of your work and, and uh, talking to me. Thank you, Ben. I appreciate it. And I hope to see you next year when we um, come back. I'm a fixture. <laughs> Thanks a lot. And the dust is all settled. And Porkfest is over, and I'm sitting here in the nice, warm New Hampshire sun with Paul from the uh, Tool Bus. And the Tool Bus, you need to, if you don't know about the Tool Bus, you need to get over to Facebook and do a Facebook search for the Tool Bus. And you're going to see the picture. It's a big blue, uh, formerly school bus looking, but formerly uh, Air Force. And Paul, welcome to the podcast. Uh, Tell me about the Tool Bus. Thanks, Ben. Nice to be here. Great meeting you. Um, well, the tool bus is my way to get the family here. I uh, couldn't stand spending the money on a U-Haul, and we wanted to be here, and just seemed like the best way to go about it. I'm a bit of a carpenter, so having the idea of being able to show up working appeals to me. It Inside the tool bus is uh, pretty much anything you'd need to fix uh, or build, pretty much anything you'd need to fix or build. And I've, uh, I've watched Paul, kind of worked around here a little bit with him, uh, picking up wood and junk like that. And it appears to me that Paul is uh, more than experienced and more than skilled 
and pretty much taken on any challenge that that uh, that might come up. Paul, what's your feelings about maybe let's say you come across something that you haven't actually done before, but it involves construction or it involves repairing something, water line or whatever. Uh, do you ever feel like uh, that you just can't do it, or do you feel a bit more confident than that? Than that? I rather enjoy the challenge. I uh, I kind of like learning new things so you know I'm, I'm always comfortable doing what I've done before and I'll do it for sure but yeah absolutely new learning new things new trades even here at the at the campground during pork fest there was some minor emergency situations where they were able to call on Paul and Paul jumped in one time he actually went into one of the uh, RVs here that was in the process of getting flooded by a water line and he just jumped into action and actually saved them maybe some serious money from damages from that um, so, uh, so if, if you're in the free state, if you're in uh, New Hampshire, uh, keep an eye out for the school bus. It's a big blue bus and Paul can pretty much fix anything that uh, needs to be fixed. Um, so what brings you to the free state project, Paul? Uh, desperation, perhaps, <laughs> uh, uh, a desire to be more around like-minded souls, um, maybe tired of getting hit over the head a little too often by the big black club. Yeah. Um, I really like what you guys have going on here. What did you think about Porkfest? Oh, awesome. Never in my life have I met so many truly awesome people in such a short period of time. It was incredible. It's wild, isn't it? I've said, I was here last year, and I said that, uh, you know, if you come here and you experience it, and not just like some people float in for one day and then they run away, but if you stay and you actually spend a few days and you get to know everybody or... Uh, at least get to experience what's going on. It's kind of addictive. It makes you really, really want to come back again. Oh, it's awesome. You know, I mean, I've never felt so so free and open around perfect strangers where you could have an opinion and not, you know, be totally flogged for it. And it's, uh, you kind of get the, everybody kind of gets the opportunity to to rub elbows with some of the bigger name people that we've heard about. You know, I know you and I were sitting here with uh, Ernie Hancock from Freedom's Phoenix and, uh, and you know, pretty much anybody else that you can imagine, that you can name, that's, uh, that's in the movement, either comes through here at some point in time or lives here or something. It was nice meeting Ernie. He's a very personable soul, you know, yeah. especially for being as popular as he is. Yeah. My wife cut his hair. Did you know that? Oh, really? Yeah, she, uh, she cut his hair. There's pictures floating around there somewhere. She also cut... Uh, Antonio. Antonio Antoni- Bueller. Yeah. yeah, Antonio Bueller stopped by. I, saw, I actually saw him walking down the road right here, and he said, I'm going in to get a haircut. Awesome. As first, when he first said that, I said, no, no. And he said, no, 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 it's, it's, I'm not cutting it all off. I'm just, he says, it's, it's professional. <laughs> you know, when I walked up and addressed him about the hair thing, I was kind of kidding because I think his hair is awesome, and I'd never touch it. But he yeah. was, oh, my wife's a hairdresser. He's right on that. He's like, I really need it. And I thought the same as you. <laughs> no, don't touch it. But, yeah, it's just a maintenance thing. Well, Paul, where are you going to from here? We are going to head to Grafton from here. We are going to tour that little town. Uh, we're still rolling. We, we really haven't settled. We want to find the right place. Uh, I can take my work anywhere. My wife's a hairdresser and kind of needs a little more population. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one thing I'd like to throw out there before I forget, Ben, mm-hmm. this was not our first attempt. My first attempt to get my family here failed miserably oh really i mean just about everything that could possibly go wrong did Mm -hmm. and and it was disheartening and it was depressing don't let it stop you i mean if you get a flat if 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 whatever you know if the u-haul breaks down don't give up because it's worth it 
I mean, even with all we've been through, I yeah. wouldn't change a thing. I'm so glad we're here. Well, I'm really glad that you're here, too. And uh, eventually, I'd like for myself and my wife to at least be here for the summers. We probably won't be here in the winters, but that's part of our goal is to be here for summers. So uh, maybe we can be uh, kind of long-term neighbors. You know? That'd be great. That'd well, be Paul, great. Paul, thanks for taking the time and talking to me. We're sitting here in the heat of the sun. Paul's got a ton of work to do to get ready to, uh, to take off and leave the Rogers campground. And I've got a bunch of work to get ready for me, too. So, Paul, thanks a lot for coming on the show. Thank you, Ben. Thanks for having me. Take care. Yeah. Okay, so that wraps it up from Porkfest 2013, Porkfest 10, from Rogers Campground in wonderful Lancaster, New Hampshire. Thanks a lot, folks. Mm-hmm.